What's up, traders? Anthony Crudelli here, and thank you for tuning in to the Futures Radio Show podcast. I hope all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's great to be back on live with all of you. If you're watching on Twitter, please give us a retweet. And if you're on YouTube, hit that like button. We have one of my favorite guests for you today, Tracy Shoechart. You know her probably as Shy Girl on Twitter, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, one of my first follows on Twitter. So definitely give her a follow there. And we'll be talking today about the Fed. We'll talk about Powell's latest comments. Tracy's been tweeting a lot about the current administration's energy policy. So we'll get her take on that, what she thinks about the energy markets as well. We'll talk about equities. We want to hear her what she thinks about the Russell, S&P, NASDAQ. We'll get into rates. Tracy's also been looking at platinum lately, so we will get into that and a whole lot more. We'll also be taking your questions live, so be sure to drop your questions in the YouTube chat. Before we get to Tracy, I want to remind all of you that Micro ETH are going live at CME on December 6th. To learn more about Micro ETH, go to CME Group. Com. I am really excited about that contract. Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group, Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K. To learn more about FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Shy girl on the house. Hey. Good to What's see you again. <laughs> Good to see you. So I want to start off today with, actually, we're going to be pulling up charts early, everybody, um, because I want to really just, just get into the get into the trenches with Ch uh, Tracy. I want to talk about Fed's Powell's statement. First, are you surprised that he was brought back in as Fed chair? What, what were your thoughts on that? Um, I was a little bit surprised, but um, you know, I thought they would kind of go more the MMT brainer, but, um, but Paul's back better the devil that, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I will say is that like, you, at, exactly least we how know you him, at least right? we, you know, we know, understand his style, the way he goes about putting out, um, information. <laughs> right. And what did you think about his late latest statement? I heard a lot of people, experts, right. Say that they were surprised by it. I really have no opinion and when I when I hear these guys speak anymore. So to say I was surprised or not, I'm not really sure on that. I just waited to see what the action was. What were your thoughts on it? He killed transitory. <laughs> did you he did. I said yeah. on the tweet. I, I'm like, finally. Um, you know, I was a bit surprised that he was as hawkish as he was. Um, you know, obviously the markets reacted right away. They didn't, you know, they didn't really like it. So what my fear is, is that it's 2018 again, right? And they try to be really hawkish and then, you know, they make their move and then it's a 180 immediately afterwards, right? And so I'm just kind of worried that there's going to, we're looking at, you know, we could look, be looking at kind of a repeat of like December 2018, um, if they, you know, really do decide to try and raise rates. Refresh everybody's memory about what happened after that. The market tanked and then they had to, they freaked out and changed their mind. <laughs> and, you know, what chart should we pull up for the equities to start to, I mean, let's, let's pull up the S and P here. Um, and I want to pull up the S and P because obviously that's the big boy market. And I think that when I look at, the S and P everybody said that the market really freaked out. And, you know, I, I always go back to 
And all I have up here right now is really a simple daily uh, with a 10 day moving average just to you know give some context to everything that we're talking about. And, and the market's really, I mean, I know we're getting volatility, which is great you know, for traders, but I don't feel like it broke much of anything down. I think it was one of those things where you know people are bullish, they have been bullish, and when you have some sort of reason to sell, they sell. So I don't know, in my mind, I don't know that I felt that it was that impactful, that much of a surprise, because here we are right back up to where we, um, not we're quite back to where we But it's the first of the month too, so. Exactly, you know, I, we should actually talk about that, I mean, because you and I know we have, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, we also have a floor background. I don't think that people think enough about the end of the, the last day of the month and the first day of the month. Right. For, for the last day of the month is notorious in bull markets for selling days. And the first day of the month is notorious for, for buying days. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because you have to remember, it's not only are, you know, um, people readjusting their books, right? M managers are readjusting their books, but that's like when people um, have their 401k entries, right? And so, um, you know, there's just a lot, of, there's a lot of buying generally on the first day in a bull market. Yeah, exactly. I know it's, it's one of my favorite trades. I remember when I was on the floor was the, the first day of the month, you know, because I, I started at the end of the 90s when I, everything was as bullish as, as it is now. Different, but um, just everybody who just, you learn how to trade it alongside in the first day of the month was just like every trader was long. And the last day of the month, right before the close was the time where we where we'd do a lot of short uh, trading. And I look at, so I guess when we look at the whole picture, when we look at the S&P, I mean, do you have any thoughts on it right now? Are you tr are you trading it at all? I'm pretty. No, I I haven't really been trading the S and P lately. I'm I'm more trade RTY, um, small caps. Uh, but um, I mean, it it doesn't look like a, you know, we're in a technical breakdown. I mean, I I don't think it's bad that some of the froth was kind of sold off there. Now, I mean, you could look at the daily and say, hey, maybe we're rolling over. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, we're looking at any sort of so crash or not. And I think it was, you know, kind of a, a welcome air out of the market a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I I'm like bullish. It. I mean, I'm bullish. I'm very bullish, you know, the, the United States in general. Right. I mean, where, where else are you going to buy stuff? Europe? No. Right. China. No. <laughs> so where is everybody going to, you know, where's everybody putting their market, their money in the U.S. market? Right. Yeah. So you said that you were trading the Russell. So let me just go to that chart because I want to look at that. This is a market. Actually, I got beat up on it this month. I traded the breakout. I lost on it. Uh, you and I actually were tweeting about this not too long yeah. ago. I said if it eventually gets out of this, you know, it was like I like that. I like that one analogy. I can't remember who said it to you, but it broke out and then it came right back in. I got stopped out. But. What do you think about the Russell now? Um, you know, I I mean, it's always a tricky trade. I mean, it, for me, it's you know, more of a short-term trade, not really, you know, I, I not in the market for, for that long, you know, but it was really nice to finally see a breakout after seven months consolidating <laughs> pretty much, right? But now we're right back into the consolidation area. But it was a fun, fun trade there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't cover it because I was trading it on a swing basis, and I actually added as it came back in, and it, it just got me out. But so, and now I'm just kind of stalled in it. But you said you're bullish on the U.S., and I always look yeah. at the Russell as the leader of that. If you're bullish, the I always feel like 
if you look at the US economy and tie it to a market, I always say the Russell, and then you see this. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, still, I mean, small caps have been performing pretty well, actually, this year, or at least I should say, um, like the energy small caps <laughs> have, been, have been performing pretty well, because um, really, that's my focus. I don't really, you know, I don't trade a lot of the other stuff. I'm mainly in, you know, as far as equities are concerned, I'm, you know, energy or materials. So, you know, the smaller cap stocks have done pretty well or had some really good moves some lately or this year, in, in my opinion. But again, you know, I mean, energy was at the bottom last year. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's the one thing that's different about the Russell versus the NASDAQ and the S&P is that the Russell is really sector based when the Rus when the NASDAQ and the S&P could be very name based, right? right. You know, well, the mean, NASDAQ's five stocks, right? Yes. I mean, that's I mean, it. <laughs> pretty much. And the Russell, you have, you know, healthcare, you've got financials and you've got that oil sector, uh, energy sector. So what are maybe some names inside the Russell that you're looking at? And maybe, you know, even as futures traders, we can pull them up for potential leadership. Um, I, well, um, what do I got? Oh, let me look. I've got a lot on right now. <laughs> um, and while you're pulling that up, I mean, I just want to pick your brain when you get to the point of like trying to pick some of these names in, in, in the energy sector on the stock side, what is your process for narrowing them down and choosing the ones you cho you're choosing? Um, well, I, I mean, generally, I'm, I've been staying away from sort of the large cap, definitely the oil majors, just because I think that if you look at what they're trying to do, um, you know, I think they're, you know, they've got a lot of money, then they got a lot of money in this ESG, right? And they've got a lot of capital that they've got to put into things like carbon capture and all of these things that are politically motivated, where I think if you really want like a pure oil pure oil play, I think what you should be looking at is more of like your mid-tier sector, right? And that's like pure oil and gas, gas play, because those guys aren't going to go into, you know, solar and wind. <laughs> what do you think about the ESG, ESG play in general? That was one of the things I thought was going to be a big thing coming in with this administration because of a lot of reasons. But um, have you been looking at anything specifically purely off of this, you know, this president and maybe some plays off of, you know, with the ESG? I mean, I mean really, there's, there's a lot of mixed messages. And if you kind of look at the infrastructure pack package, you know, there is some room for, you know, ESG, such as, you know, building out, they want to build out, you know, um, EV chargers, um, you know, and things like that. But really, the, the package is really, really heavy materials based, right? And heavy uh, fossil fuel based. I mean, as far as, you know, trying to build out uh, ESG infrastructure, you're going to need a ton of fossil fuels for that. You're going to need a ton of base metals and industrial metals just to build those things. I mean, wind turbines, solar panels, even EV charging stations. I mean, all those require a ton of energy, which is going to come from fossil fuels and a ton of materials. So really, um, I mean, I looked at the infrastructure package, which was, you know, they cut that EV uh, allocation by a lot from the initial package. Um, and everything else was pretty much focused more on, you know, um, repairing highways and bridges and building out railroads and, uh, you know, 
replacing lead pipes and water systems and, and things like that. And that e the ESG part really, really got cut down. And that's why I like your work so much, because you really look beyond just what initial people would think about an infrastructure package, even though it might be, you know, X of what people think on, on the face, you're getting behind it a little bit to see what actually is going to drive that. And I think that's where a lot of the real money is made. And I actually want to talk about this question that Corey put out. He says, do you differentiate RTY stocks that have um, plus VE earnings from those that have no, none, or minus VE earnings? Um, do Yes. I mean, that, that's, I look at that a little a little bit but really that's not how um you know that's that's not how i'm kind of looking at stocks that i pick that are in rty right looking at more like pe ratio got it um let, let's pull up some of those names maybe to look at i like to see how they look compared to the russell i like i like looking inside these indices just to see you know if it if they're getting the respect from some of these sectors that could be leading, maybe not now, but eventually. Um, let me see. What I, I'm not sure which wins are exactly. Um, I have a lot on right now. Like, pull up, uh, like, SD. SD. So is that Sandridge Energy? Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at it. Oh yeah, I mean look at and look at the look at the difference. It's actually breaking down a little bit now. Here. A little bit, but so is RTY a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But still, you know, it still had a huge breakout, even though why RTY was consolidating, right? When you look at a stock like this, um, do you set up targets for these? Like, I mean, when did you start to look to get into this? How, what was your reasoning? A little. I got bit? in it. Yeah, I got in it a dollar eighty. Well, you got a little. I, got, I was room. in there. I was in there early. Yeah, I got in at a dollar eighty, and really, I only expected it to go to about six dollars. So, really, I took off most of the position at six dollars. I thought that would be incredible for that, and then I just kind of let a little bit of it run, right? And kind of, I got kind of freaked out when it started to pull back. You know, we went up, down, up, down, and then I'm, I was out on that like M shape, right? I was like, hmm. You know, we looked double toppy to me, so <laughs> I covered the rest. <laughs> so a question I have for you when you have like a, a name like this that you like or any of the names that you're trading in the energy side and, and then you see what the Russell has done, does that build confidence in a position that's working beyond what the, what the index is doing? Or do you ever use the index to potentially hedge it? I mean, what is your thought process when you see something like this do this? And then the Russell doesn't follow through or any of the indices um, that are maybe you think should be correlated to something that you're looking at. So, yeah, I mean, definitely I'm looking at, I always, even if I'm not exactly trading, you know, like the futures market, RTY, right? If I'm not, you know, trading it, I'm consistently looking at it, right? Because I want to see kind of what, what the price action is. And, you know, it started to roll over. I saw a double top looking and so for me that was out to you know cut that per, you know cover that particular position so we'll kind of use it as a guide when i'm not using it as a trading tool like when i'm not actually trading yeah i mean one of the questions i have for you is because you we are a futures background you and i i mean that's where we come from 
And you know, I'm starting to trade crypto. I, I trade a little bit of stocks, but very little. I, I would use the term trade loosely. I mostly buy stuff on for longer term swing possessions. So I feel more like I'm investing now than I am trading. You know, coming from the future side, it's hard to compare anything what we do from a future side to when we get right. into something else because it's so much less active. Uh, what do you believe some of the skills you've learned from being a futures trader that have actually helped you um, with trading like some of these names? I mean, I think that, and I I use the word trading loosely because because like, I like you hold stocks. You know, I mean, I'm looking yeah. at I want to hold stock for a, a few months, right? Yeah. Um. So, but you know, I think that really, you know, trading futures because the market's so fast and furious, and you're trading it on like on a daily basis. I think you recognize chart patterns a lot faster because that's what you're doing all day, right? every day yeah. um, and a plethora of different markets. So for me, you know, it was like chart pattern recognition, I, you know, was a huge strength that I gained from, you know, say day trading futures markets. I want to stay on energy markets a little bit because you've been tweeting quite a bit about uh, energy policy and this administration. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts about how they've done so far? <laughs> All right. So they get a D grade in my opinion. Right. So we've got Biden who doesn't know the difference between OPEC and OPEC plus. We've got AOC who doesn't know the difference between oil, natural gas, and between imports and exports. You got Granholm who doesn't know the difference between crude and gasoline. And you got Jen Psaki who thinks that crude can instantly become gasoline. So I mean, I feel like it's there's literally nobody in this administration that has one iota of experience in the energy markets. <laughs> it's, it's blind, you know, it's like, it's, it's like the blind leading the blind. It's, you know, that's my- What, is, what does that, <laughs> so what does that tell you as a trader when you have an administration like this? Like, what is it, what is that making you think about looking for opportunities where what, what what is your thought process well, behind i mean that? you know because of the you know and you know and their energy policies are all all over the, the place i mean and that's part of the reason why i'm so bullish energy because they literally don't have any idea what they're doing <laughs> so i'm bullish energy i'm bullish the whole sector like you name it i'm like you know I'm bullish nat gas i'm bullish i'm still bullish you know crude i'm still bullish what what they're doing you know they they're you know they just decided to have permits on federal lands again, but they're going to up the government's piece of that. So, you know, they're pretty much trying to, you know, put a roadblock every place that they possibly can, which makes me very bullish on the companies that are still remaining because we're still going to need fossil fuels, right? So the ones that are still staying, you know, we had years, two, three heavy years of um bankruptcies and M&As, right? So there's not a lot of them left standing, <laughs> um, which, you know, to me, given that uh, they're trying to cut them off at the knees, just makes me, um, you know, makes me more bullish, like, like I said, uh, and especially on the, like, again, the mid-tier companies um, that are still left standing because we're still going to need fossil fuels. It doesn't, you know, we're not going to be able to transition that quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's the same feeling I get when I see any administration that doesn't feel like they have a strong hand of understanding at least the, the issues and how to address them. It always makes me, when you look at the commodity side of things or any market for that matter, you're going to say in this particular instance, it makes you very bullish. And then I want to pull up the chart of crude right now. So, and when I look at it, so do you think that crude oil is, so is this, 
has a lot of that been already thought of or is it still um I don't know I, th- I mean I think that I think the, you know I think we're probably hit a point where this is going to like stabilize a little bit. I mean, you have to, you know, and I sent out that seasonal chart since November 1st. Um, you know, this is tip, you know, I obviously I didn't know dump $10 in a day, but you know, I, you know, I generally start looking, you know, around the beginning of November for the market to start getting a little bearish, right? Because it's just a seasonal trade. Um, and there's always something that comes up <laughs> by chance that the seasonal trade po- follows through. So, um, you know, I was already looking for weakness in the market. Again, I didn't expect a 10 buck drop in one day. Um, but, you know, I think that will stabilize here. Obviously, everybody's looking at OPEC tomorrow, right? Whether they're going to continue with the planned 400K barrels per day production increase or whether they're going to um, hold off on that. So um, tomorrow will be very interesting. Well, let's stay there for a second. What are the things that you'll be looking for them? Like what would be some statements that they make that would say to you, you know what, this is almost a click in buy right now uh, because th- this is happening. Walk so, us through. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of very tight lipped today, which is, uh, and, and talked about more about their future plans, um, which is kind of incredible. They kind of dropped a couple trial balloons, which they love to do. Like, we're going to go ahead with this plan 400K, or they usually have an, one of the oil ministers say, we back this, you know, we back the production increase or something like that to see how the market reacts. Market didn't really react that favorably for that. Um, I do think they're going to try to do whatever they can to stabilize the market. They don't like this volatility either. Either, You know, granted, you know, 85 bucks is, you know, went probably higher than I thought it would go this year. My Q4, uh, you know, I expected Q4 to average about 75, which it looks like it is averaging 75. But, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't think that, uh, I didn't think we'd stay at 85 for, for, for any reason. We're just not there, there yet. Um, So I think, you know, I think, you know, I think this move is getting pretty much done. Everybody I mean, they cleaned house, right? I mean, yeah. literally cleaned house. They went through all the big strikes, forcing you know dealers to have to sell into the futures market, and most of the specs and most of the longs are cleaned out. If you're you know besides you know some of the, the big funds, if you look at, um, if you you know I look Goldman had a report out on it just the other day, but um, or just yesterday, um, but yeah, I mean everybody's cleaned out. So now really you know we're just waiting for buyers to step in. And I think there needs to be a little more confidence in the market. First of all, right now you need a little more, we need a little bit more uh, clarity as far as Omicron is concerned, right? Um, People want to know our country shutting down and how bad is this going to be? So, you know, I think it's kind of, it's kind of a sit and wait. Um, But I do think going into next year that this is still a very bullish market. So if you're looking to buy, you know, I just, I don't know that if, you know, I don't know that if over the, you know, the next couple of weeks, generally, you know, January gets, you know, more bullish, but I don't, you know, we might just kind of go sideways here for, you know, the next few weeks or so. It's funny you say you thought that 75 would be the average. I don't think anybody thought the average would be coming in, in the ways of 85, 65 as volatile as we are. 
I know I've actually traded crude a little bit this month. It was one one of my better trades. I was short it um, on a swing. I didn't, <laughs> and it was it's it's always funny, you know. It's like I caught it, and my my hidden bias of being bullish crude, you know, um, I covered it, and it was like it, it, then I saw a pop. I'm like, oh, okay, I did pretty good here. And then all of a sudden the biggest move comes. Isn't that funny as a trader where it's like, you know, it's my inner bias. I mean, I do let technicals drive me for sure. And I also read stuff from you and, you know, I I listen to, you know, like Eric Townsend's podcast. He talks a lot about crude oil and just a lot of people um, that follow it. And it's like in my body, it's like, I'm still bullish and I still fought it. And then, you know, this move comes and it happens. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. We haven't had a big move like that in a very long time either. You know what I mean? Like, remember, yeah. we used to have like $7 moves all the time. Like, that was not like unheard of. <laughs> and it's been pretty much like a grind higher, right? For yeah. like a year. So um, there you go. So let's, I want to, there's another question here. Um, thoughts on ERF or other Canadian oil and gas companies? Um, I, hi, Corey. Um, I'm in CVE is, is what I am. And I like CNQ too. And this is not something I follow at all. So I have to actually pull this up. I want to take a look at them on the chart. So CVE? this is, is Senevis Energy. Yeah. And why this name? Um, it's another data for that. Same thing. It's a mid nice. It's a nice mid cap, you know, mid tier, um, company. So I liked, you know, I liked their. Oh, big breakout there too. Their book. Yeah. It's been a nice trade too. So, um, you know, nice PE ratio. Um, I, you know, I like their presentation. They've got nice cash flow. So when you look at some of these names, um, and oh yeah, there's a crude on the week <laughs> about that chart. <laughs> That's something you don't see when you pull up a symbol too often, is it? Right. Um, so when you see these, a lot of these names that you're still watching, and it looks like even the couple ones that I pulled up just from you, they're staying bid compared to crude. Yeah, I, I mean, then, then, that's this. another thing, too, is we're kind of seeing like uh, when we were grinding up, we saw crude and the equities kind of like hand in hand. Every time crude pulled back a little bit, the um, the uh, equities would pull back, too. And really what I, I've been watching over, you know, the last, you know, uh, few sessions or whatever is, you know, equities are are staying a lot you know, better i should say <laughs> seeing bid a lot better than they're holding up a lot better than the actual crude market is so um that's a that's a really good sign for for the equity side when you're looking at correlations right now what are the things that you're looking at for for the markets you're trading like what do you feel is the leader of correlations with the markets that you're following that you'd say if this starts to happen I think this could start to create a domino effect. Some of these. This is going to sound nuts. This is going to sound nuts, but oh, I love seriously, it. <laughs> seriously, go, take Microsoft and put it against any refiner. Literally, they're the inverse. <laughs> it, and like at least interday, right? Microsoft goes up, the refiners dump. They dump Microsoft, refiners go bid. It's the craziest correlation ever on the planet. <laughs> 
I mean, where I does watch it-, it all day long and it's nuts. And it's not so much on the, you know, as a, you know, chart comparison, chart comparison. It's more just watching the intraday moves. It's crazy. Watch it. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you know, as a trader, I always feel like when you look at any correlation and I know what you say, you think it's crazy. And I found some crazy ones. I don't know that I've ever found one that's maybe as crazy that's as that one. Crazy. That's really, that's really it, digging. Though, I'm serious. But isn't it something on how something could be so tied to something that you see these relationships and you're just like, as a trader, it just seems like such an edge. You feel like, wow, I don't, I almost don't want to talk about this because it's working so good. I know. It's kind of weird, but it really works well. <laughs> well, the cat's out of the bag on that one, but at least watch it. It's funny. And then completely unrelated markets, which is even you know, crazier, but. Oh yeah. I mean, well, it's just like, you know, I see so many people talking about crypto compared to equities and crypto compared to other things. And I will say this, that yes, I feel like there is definitely some, um, when you say correlation, there should be, well, I mean, I always look at the, comparing anything to the equity markets because there's so much money into the equity markets that if the equity markets take a hit and people say, well, that will hurt crypto. Well, yeah, because I look at it like this. If you own a bunch of equities and you own crypto um, and you start losing on one, you might be selling the other. I mean, that's just, you know, human behavior, right? So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, or you're getting a margin call and exactly. you're selling whatever you have to sell. <laughs> so to or- say that they're, yeah, I mean, that's why when I look at correlations, it's like you you don't, they don't have to make sense. But sometimes you put together this puzzle as a trader and you look at it and say, you know, this this is happening and whether it makes sense or not. I'm going to use it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Trace, I want to take a quick break here in a second. And when we come back, some of the things I really want to, I want to talk about is I want to talk about rates because when we talked about Fed Powell, we talked about, um, you know, we're, a lot of how I mentioned how a lot of people were really surprised at how hawkish he was. I think you even said a little bit. And I, and I watched the curves a lot, seeing the two-year yield pop and you've seen, you know, you know, the 10-year and the 30-year, uh, they've come down a little bit. So I want to talk a little bit about that because that's going to obviously matter, I think, in your oil stuff and, and equities as well. And then you've been trading palladium. Um, no, platinum. Platinum. I've rolled palladium though. Platinum. So uh, we're going to get into all of that. And everybody, look, at put your questions in chat uh, for Tracy. So when we get back, we're going to go over your questions and we're going to go over some more markets. We'll be right back. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated and it takes time except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange, we are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity, all in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way. Plus, earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. Guess in P500 and NASDAQ 100, by the slice. Just one-tenth of the pie. Trade the tastiest index futures, micro e-mini options with TradeStation. Get a piece of the pie now. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. So first thing I want to talk about is rates. Um, and I want to go over this two-year because I think that this is 
first of all, I'm pulling up. I don't know if you're using these yet, but I I really like these new micro treasury yield futures because before I used to have to go to different places to be able to get um, what the yields were doing. And now you actually have a futures market on it. So I like the fact that being short the two year, if I think yields are going up, I can come in and buy the micro treasury yield futures and just trade the rate if it goes up or down just to let, I think, simpler. And it's nice to look at. Um, and this two year has just been in, I mean, look at this thing. 20 basis points is 63. And what has this been since September? This thing has just been on a tear. I mean, how much are you looking at short-term rates? It's, it's crazy. I mean, I generally, you know, because of oil. So I usually look at like the 10-year break-even rates and the 10-year yield. Because, you know, once, you know, obviously if we're looking at inflation hedges, um, oil's been, um, you know, a main inflation hedge uh this whole year, basically. So whenever you see those yields come down and you see inflation hedges off, that's, you know, you see weakness in the oil markets. So let's pull up the 10 year and you look at it and what do you know what the, because right now you've got 1.48 on the micros. I'm just curious how, how close that is to what you would have on the rate that you're looking at for the 10 year. Uh, Yes, that's pretty close. Got it. Okay. So when you look at this, what are you looking for here? So, uh, explain to people what you're looking at. Yeah, looking I'm just looking for, for, you know, whenever we see, you know, like a pullback in the yields or, you know, a pullback in uh, the 10-year, you know, inflation break-evens, right? You're going to see money off the table, right? So that's what I'm, you know, I'm kind of looking, looking at. So whenever you see, you know, bonds go up, Yields come down, right? So that's what you kind of want to be looking at for inflation hedges, in particular for the crude oil market. Um, gold used to be obviously used as an inflation hedge, but it's broken. <laughs> they broke it. They broke that market. Gold is just a broke. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it's just that gold. I don't want to get too far off topic because I want to stay in rates, but gold has just been it's been a torture chamber for me. I have not been trading that good. No. So, yeah, so that's, you know, that's what I'm, you know, looking at, um, you know, Powell's been really hawkish, you know, um, it will be interesting to see how, um, you know, if they pile back into in inflation trades again, you know, yeah. they kind of came off this summer. We saw a dip in crude oil this summer, right? As people took those hedges off, you saw money off the table. Um, and, uh, then everybody piled back in by the end of the summer. Um, now you're seeing that pull back, so you're seeing money money off the table as far as that's as far as you know those inflation hedges um, because you know oil's still very correlated to that right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm I'm curious when you're looking at the rates and you're looking at the ten year, are you looking for them to be the leader of what would be the next move in crude oil? Like, where does that rank in what you look at for fundamentals, news, I would, everything else? I would say that's up there. You know, I would say two or two or three. <laughs> so, what would be one or two? So, um, you, you know, I mean, I always look at basic fundamental fundamentals of the market, right? So, you know, I'm looking at you know broader based things like um, you know oil, global oil inventory 
inventories. And when I, you know, I'm looking at kind of, you know, capital expenditure globally. Um, so, you know, you know how, you know, my process, it's like to go yeah. from the widest to come down. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely I'm watching, you know, rates, uh, you know, it's right up there, you know, watching that all day. Talking to the crude oil traders out there for, there's so many traders that are trading crude. I mean, intraday, what would you say to them to keep an eye on? I mean, obviously, we, I mean, we, we know that technicals are important, but I think coming in with the, even with the day trader mindset, what are the things they should be looking at coming into the day before they even step yeah. at the machine? Yeah. If you're, I mean, if you're trying to day trade this, definitely, you know, definitely look at the break evens, inflation break evens, right? Do you want to kind of be looking at that to see, um, you know, where they are, what they've done overnight, um, you know, where, where you think they're going, because that's really going to, it, it is more so correlated now than it's, than it ever has been. And it's, you know, it's always been correlated, right? But literally intraday correlated, where it was not necessarily so intraday, because, you know, right now we have like the OBX and we have the move, you know, we have both of these very volatile, like the, you know, the move, the volatility, for um, the treasury market. And then you have you know, OBX, the volatility for uh, the oil market. So both of those are sky high right now. Um, so, you you know, you want to be looking at that, like, you know, anything over like 70, 75 in the move index, you know, starts to get a little hairy. Anything over 40 and uh, the crude uh, volatility index gets a little hairy. You know, it's interesting because you've got so many crude oil traders. I mean, and it's one of the most popular products out there. Um, and I think that so many crude oil traders come into it. I mean, let's let's say so many newer and more on the retail, not seasoned crude oil traders come in. They just trade the front month. They trade it only on order flow or technicals. When they're competing against the some of the best traders in the world is on the energy side and algos um, and, and algos too i mean your competition in that is so high that i look at it and say to them and that's why i asked you that is like you've got to look at these things beyond it because even though i know that order flow tools will work i know that technicals will work there's no doubt and everyone will say price is what pays, and I totally understand that. But when you get into commodities, and somebody like myself, who's been mostly an S&P trader, when I started to get more into some commodities, specifically oil, um, even though right now I got the micro 10-year yield chart up, um, that without knowing these bigger picture themes and understanding what's going on, I find it to be difficult even to be that successful as, as a short-term day trader because of how much of an impact of what's happening beyond just a front month contract. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to be doing that too. And if, I mean, and if you're newer to commodities, you know, to commodity markets, you know, what's great, I think is now, you know, especially for crude oil, you know, they just added, you know, they, they have, you know, minis and micros now. So yeah. you, know, you don't have to jump head first into the big contract. <laughs> oh, I think that, you know, the micro crude oil, you know, I, I've started using them a little bit and, it says you can put a bunch on, right? And you can, you know, scale out instead of just hail marrying one contract, say. Well, that's the whole thing is that I think that people, 
even bigger traders, like I, I could trade, you know, quite a bit of crude oil contracts if I wanted. It's that's not the point of right. like the micro. I think even for a veteran trader is that I look at it and say I'm less price sensitive. I can still trade as big as I want um, because I can still accumulate as many micros as I would like, right? And right. So, but I look at it as I'm less price sensitive on entries and exits. I can go to scale, right. you know, versus you know. And obviously, if you're going to be trading a lot of contracts, you you still want to you probably want to go back to the to the primary crude. But I like to use a lot of the times the micro products, and not just in the in the crude oil, but in the other products, just because if I feel that I like an area, I like it as just a starter, you yeah. know, because you get a lot from just that feel. Yep, I, to I totally agree. Especially when we start getting volatility, like we see. I mean, as much as I want to start being long crude, I don't have a technical setup just yet. But yeah. I look at it and say, if I start to get one in this type of volatility, you go to the micros, you know, it's, it allows you just to, to manage, you know, your, your average position, I think just a whole lot better and, and more effectively. Um, one of these questions that's coming in from Dan is thoughts on, I, I mean, uh, thoughts on Guyana. I like I, I Guyana. Say, I do yeah. like Guyana. I think there's a lot of potential there. Also, if, um, you know, if, uh, Namibia, there's a lot of potential there too, offshore. So you think the potential supply there to help meet demand? I, I right? think there's, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, those are kind of where the big offshore product projects are happening right now. There's not really a whole lot. Um, there's not really a whole lot going on. You know, mostly it's off the west, west coast of Africa and uh, the east coast of uh, South America, where really where the big new projects are, aside from obviously Russia and the Arctic. You know, this has turned into my, obviously mostly a crude oil conversation that would make <laughs> sense talking with you. But one of the things I want to ask you, and I think a lot of people have asked me, and I, and I have no idea of this answer, is, is that how much has this administration had an impact of what we're doing here in the United States. Cause you see a lot of the talking heads and a lot of people that, you know, beyond the political aisles of things that aren't energy experts, but how much has, has what's happened here in the U S changed how much oil um, that we're producing. And everybody says that we were near energy independence. Is that exactly true? How much of that have we lost? Where are we with that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, it's, you know, it's roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. That's another reason why we likely won't ever, you know, we won't ever see the production, uh, you know, the 2019 high, you know, high production that we had in the United States. We're never going to see that again. First of all, nobody wants, there's no CapEx. Nobody wants to put, you know, money money into the market. Um, they're making it extremely difficult. We're burning through duck inventory, which is uh, drilled but uncompleted wells. So we're burning through that inventory. So we don't have that, you know, we, we don't have that big cushion that we used to have, you know, um, rig count has, you know, jumped up some. And generally, I don't like rig counts, except for, you know, we had such a dive <laughs> Uh, on rig counts that it actually does matter right now. But, you know, you're seeing oil price skyrocket and rig, and rig counts definitely not keeping up. So what does that tell you? That tells you that we're not actively, you know, they're just not actively pursuing um, drilling like they want, they once did. The money's not there. Investors don't want it. Investors are looking for free cash flow, for dividends, for stock buybacks, um, and fiscal and being conservative fiscally. They're not looking for you to be, you know, 
how it, you know, the Wild West, how, you know, it used to be when everybody, you know, when shale first started and everybody is out there just uh, drilling like crazy. I want to shift to metals. Thanks for clarifying that a lot. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's good to hear, you know, facts versus, you know, a lot of people's just opinions on what's really happened happening out there. And I want to, I want to go to metals because, you know, we talked about gold. I might as well just pull up, let's just pull up the gold chart, but we're going to, you know, we're going to get to platinum, which is a market. Pull up the painful gold chart just because. Yeah, let's just look just at cut. it. Let's just see the, see the pain, <laughs> feel it. I mean, I mean, we had that nice V recovery and then it's literally done nothing <laughs> you know the one thing that i'll say about gold is that and it, you know look at it, it's I, I don't think it's ever been the easiest trade no but, i mean i think it, intraday if you're just tra intraday trading it if you know there's a lot of times you get those nice you know 20 30 moves right so i think intraday but you know if you're trying to swing trade this it's virtually you know I, it's much more difficult. And that's exactly where I was going to go with this. One thing I was going to say is that the one thing I've learned about watching gold for many years now, and specifically in this time, is that when I try to buy gold for like that long hedge against inflation, hedge against the Fed, and I just hold that trade and I think it's just going to happen, the Peter Schiff trade, I just get my butt kicked because it yeah. just doesn't seem to work, right? <laughs> but when you just look at the intraday technicals and the way it trades, this is one of those markets where I feel that Thinking too much about fundamentals actually hurts you here. I agree. I versus totally agree. just following what the chart is doing. I mean, I practically mean, what every morning between eight and nine it dumps. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, literally almost every morning. So you know, I mean, you could trade it on that alone. You probably like a nine times that it would probably be like a nine out of ten winning trade if you just sold it like eight in, eight in the morning. <laughs> So actually, we're getting questions about natural gas as well. We'll get to there in a second, but I want to go to platinum. You know, platinum. you know, I love my, you know, I love platinum. Um, so really, you know, I mean, this has been a really great trade. Anytime it's you've gotten, you know, under uh, like a thousand dollars, you know, I mean, it's just been, you know, and I. I don't swing trade this either, but you know, this is one of more, one of my, like, you know, maybe I'll hold a couple of days. Maybe I'll hold be an intraday trade. This is kind of my, um, the only thing I, I would say probably the only futures that I still really just day trade or, you know, hold really? a couple of days. Yeah. I love Why, why is that? I don't, I just, because it's literally the techno, it's so technical. All you need to do is draw horizontal lines on this chart <laughs> and it's perfect. Literally. That's all you need to do. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it hits the same levels over and over and over and over again. It's so technically traded because it's not, you know, it's not that crowded, you know, there's a, you know, it's not as liquid as, as the gold market kind of, you know, it's kind of like, remember when we were talking, I think it was like a couple of years ago when we were talking about this, um, you know, why we, we were talking about the wrestle and how, you know, it's because it wasn't, you know, as liquid as the market, you could kind of see, um, you know, how it moved a lot better, like with the futures, just looking at the order flow. Um, and platinum is kind of the same way. It's just, a, it's a lot less liquid than, you know, you don't have all the banks in there trading this product. Yeah. Right. Well, this goes back to why when the 10 year ultras first came out, I started trading that product and I was did great in it for a good period of time. It was like, 
I could really, I felt like it was like when I first started to trade the minis, the book was a little bit thinner. You could see when things were starting to come in, if it reacted off your technicals good, you get that little splash move, yeah. you know, you, you know, you get in and get out. And, um, you know, as a day trader, I really liked that. And going back to the, the platinum, what is a typical range in this? Cause I mean, this is a market I really don't even, I don't watch it at all. I mean, like how big is a typical range? In this I thing? mean, you know, I mean, I think you can get, well, it, it depends, but you know, I don't, you know, you can get $20 moves, you know, all the time. You, you can get $5 moves literally all day long if the, you are just a scalper. Um, but, you know, I look for a little bit, you know, I look for maybe, you know, 20 to 50 buck moves, which you can get all the time. What's tick value on this? Is it 10 bucks a tick? It, no, it's half. So it's okay. five. five bucks a tick. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 you can, you can, it's, 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 you can play it. It's got some, uh, it's got some potential for some intraday uh, you know, action. I like it. So, I mean, let's go to natural gas now. You know, I don't even have natural gas up. It's so funny. Um, um, I, I mean, I, moved I don't it, really. I moved it down on my chart because. This... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't really, you know, I don't really, you know, trade the futures a lot or, you know, I haven't traded. Let me put it this way. I I have never traded straight up Nat gas futures a lot. And I probably haven't traded the futures now in, you know, five years. What are your thoughts on it? When you look at the energy energy sector as whole, well, we covered a ton on crude oil today, but what do you, I mean, natural yeah, I mean, I'm very bullish. I'm very bullish natural gas and whether that be on the equity side. Right. And well, th th I'm that, I mean, there's, that's how my play is, you know, I'm looking at just you know, pure nat gas players like um, Chenier uh, LNG. Um, that's how I'm playing that, but I'm very bullish nat gas because it's an excellent transition fuel. Um, you know, I, what I really like is that, you know, while we're trading at what, 429, you know, Europe's trading at $32, <laughs> which makes our, our exports look very enticing because even with the cost of transportation, you're still coming under that 30, $32. In fact, we just became China's number two supplier, beating out Malaysia and Indonesia places that are literally 10 times closer. Oh, I, I did not know that. And so, and the reason is because of our pricing. Our the pricing to... is, yeah, nothing. So you add on co cost of transportation and we're still coming under um, JKM, which is, you know, Jan, uh, Japan, Korea marker, which is the Asian grade or TTF, which is um, Dutch, but that's the, the Europeans. So, I mean, our, we're trading at such a discount to either one of those contracts that um, that make that makes our oil look. I mean, that makes our nat gas look very enticing. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you keep saying you're bullish, pretty, pretty much the whole energy sector. Right? I know it's, I sound like ad nauseum, don't I? No, really that's, for the last year. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, to me, I think this is important. I mean, that's kind of where we're gonna. I want to close out with you today is that when you do all of your homework and you sit back. I mean, it's funny from when I first met you to now, you, you've, you've, you've become more and more macro. I mean, you've always had a talent for that. You've always been somebody who I've known to do a ton of reading. I don't think people know how much reading you really do. I do a lot. A, a lot. And they don't know how much work you put into behind the scenes and, and the stuff you're tweeting out there is, 
is I, we talked about this in one of in your recent in our recent shows. I think it was maybe a year or two ago, and how it's really just you talking through the 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 picture that you're trying to paint and what's happening, you know, right. in the macroeconomic side of things. And and so is your number one play right now really from everything you look at bullish energy. I'm bull very bullish energy, and um, you know I'm bullish um, uh, in industrial metals. Right now, industrial metals, and for, for the shorter term um, base metals, you know, depending on when this infrastructure package spending actually starts happening. So, I mean, I don't know where are we exactly with this this infrastructure package to know. I, I mean, do we, do you know what? Let me put it this way: like, do you know if it's not fully approved? So do we know like what areas? Oh, the build, the, the build back better. Oh, the build back better. That's what I'm thinking from about. The, yeah. yeah. Build yeah. back better. I literally have no clue. There's so much pork in that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, I don't even know what to expect from that. I don't, I, I think that it's going to take a lot longer to pass than what they want. I mean, you know, they're adding 87,000 IRS people. They want to check your $600 you know, bank account deposits, um, you know, and I just don't see that, you know, I don't see that flying. <laughs> I don't see that. Yeah. Those things that, that's bad. exactly what I was thinking. I know I misspoke you know. when I said the infrastructure, because to me, that is, there's so much money coming from there. And I'm wondering what, what you were thinking on that, but that is, that is not close to even. Yeah. I don't think it's close to even, you know, I, you know, being done. And so I haven't really, you know, I, you know, I've read, kind of the, the basic outline. And I just thought this is not passing anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't appear to be. So you, you, it's, it's the, it's the bullish energy, so bullish energy and, and industrial metals, and industrial metals. It's really what I'm, I'm kind of bullish from, and I would say for medium to long-term, right. Those are like trades I'm holding on to. And ultimately, what does that tell you about, I, I guess, our, our economy as a whole, if, if that's your play? Um, you know, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, even if the thing is, is that for the very first time, we have a civic, we have a real supply demand issue, <laughs> right? We, we are, we are undersupplied, right? And we're looking at capacity. I mean, um, U.S. doesn't have capacity to ramp up. Um, you know, the OPEC really doesn't have as much spare capacity as they say that that they do. Um, so really, we have a su supply and demand issue. And, um, you know, I, you know, I think the economy is still, you know, pretty strong. But even if we see a, a pullback, right, and what we're seeing is that uneven recovery around the globe. So, you know, if you have, you know, we're seeing weakness in Europe right now, but we're seeing recovery in Asia now. Right. And so when you, you have to take that, when you're talking about a global product or global products, um, you kind of have to take that into account that, you know, it's not the, the whole world is not going uh, it, it, it's not on the same, you know, it, growth pattern. Right. So it's been kind of recovery in one place then you're you know seeing kind of a pullback in the other place depending on what kind of policies you you have going on you depending on you know new new variants popping up um you know what you, what your country is doing as far as you know uh, uh addressing those issues so you know watch the uneven recoveries 
around the globe, right? When you're when you're trading like global commodities. Yeah, and Tim basically got in front of where I was going to kind of go with this next. Is like, do you see the direct correlation between energy prices uh, and U.S. equities? I mean, it, it's oh, it yeah. almost sounds to me as like there's where like this bull market is just it, it's got legs across a lot a lot of sectors essentially now. Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. And so um, you know, I think you know, like I said, you know, energy prices are obviously you know going to be coordinated to the energy equity markets. But, you know, what we are seeing now, like I said, we're seeing a little bit of divergence where it's not like tick for tick, right? And the equity side is is holding up a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously energy prices um, are going to correlate, not even to just energy equities, because uh, energy is in, you know, in uh, everybody's bottom, every company's bottom line, right? Yeah. I mean, no. that's what I'm saying. I mean, you're looking at it, it's going to be, if, if that's what you're the most bullish on from everything you're saying on the macro side, then that essentially to me sets up for, I think, you know, strength across a, a lot of places, Yeah, um, which makes it, you know, pretty interesting. I know. So what do you see between now and the end of the year, just kind of what your thoughts are? I mean, we talked about kind of what we saw in the S and P, but like, what are you looking at between now and the end of the year? It's always an interesting time to trade. Yeah. Are you not looking too closely at anything or what are your, I'm what are not you looking too closely at anything. I mean, I think, you know, I think crude oil probably moves sideways, um, you know, into to the end of the year, probably, you know, gaining strength maybe at the very end of December and then into January. Um, I think, you know, I don't know, you know, I, I think the markets, I don't know. I don't see like this huge Christmas rally, although I would, welcome one, <laughs> yeah. you know, we might be sideways for a little bit, I think, because there's just so much uncertainty now with this Omicron variant, now with Powell being so hawkish, right? And so it's kind of all drop up. So I think we're going to have to, you know, give it a, a couple of weeks um, to kind of sort itself out and really kind of see where our footing is, you know, because we're seeing some, uh, you know, countries shutting down and, and things like that, um, you know, whether that's, you know, too early or not is, you know, up for debate. But um, I think we need, need to kind of wait these next couple of weeks to see how this stuff shakes out. But, you know, I definitely welcome being long equities. <laughs> I definitely welcome a rally at the end of the year. So our friend, uh, Jimmy Driscoll, Jimmy Jude on Twitter, he said something the other day that I, I thought was spot on. And I'm not sure if you saw the tweet or not, but he talked about how with uh, Omicron or any of these new variants that it's just like 9-11. I mean, you and I remember this like it was, you know, probably yeah. yesterday, how each of these headlines, remember it was, uh, it was anthrax. It was this and, and that. And less, less and less and less. And less and less and um, less. Do you feel that way about this? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of thinking, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, literally we had um, last December was the scary variant. Then in July, we had literally, it's been every six months. It's crazy that a new scary yeah. variant is. And so I think that definitely the market's uh, holding up better this fourth time, right? Because the first yeah. time the market really tanked, but it's been kind of less and less. Every time. Yeah. Well, you look at, I mean, just look at what just recently happened. And this is something I've been thinking about. I don't have any positions in S&P, NASDAQ or Russell at the current moment, but I look at how are they taking this news with Powell? How are they right. taking the short-term uptick in rates? What's happened in crude oil? 
you know, looking what happened with this new variant, I look at all these different things and I'm like, took it pretty well. I mean, it no, <laughs> you know, it, it did. It took a lot, a lot of hits that were at different times. Um, and, and a lot at, at once. Right? And, yeah, exactly. In sure. a period of time. Right. So it's just, you know, and, and the end of the year for me is typically not something that, you know, I like bull markets end of the years a lot of times because as it does get slow, if we start to just grind up, I kind of know that that's that trade is kind of stays with it. We're volatile at this point, kind of breaking down a little bit between moving averages. So I, I like that just as a little bit of gauge, but I know I, I don't expect a ton either, but I do look at it and say, if the rally does come, I would welcome it and I would, I would trade it. Um, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be scared at all to continue to buy door another new high. Cause it's just, it could happen, but you know, we'll trace. <laughs> yeah, we will see. I, you know, I can't thank you enough for taking the time coming on live with me, taking questions from everybody. Yeah. Um, always appreciate talking with you and seeing you. Um, where can people go to learn more about your letter that you put out regularly now? So go to hedgefundtelemetry.com. Um, it's actually on my bio on Twitter. You can just click the link. And then obviously on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, go shy girl on Twitter. That goes without saying. <laughs> Everyone knows who she is. She's one of my faves. So Trace, thank you so much again. Thanks, Always Sam. appreciate your time. Have yep. a wonderful Christmas. You and too. I look forward to the food picks. You know, I'll tell you what. It's Yeah, you got it. I well when we get together, well, <laughs> I was hoping eventually you'd be back living in the States, so it's a little bit easier of a trip for me. But I need to go and I need to uh I need to experience some of these meals that you're making yeah. live. I mean, you're, you're killing me with some of these pies and stuff. I'm like, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, and that stuffed rabbit, that looked great. Yeah, that worked. So, that was good. Yep. All right, Trace. I'll see right. you next time. Have Thank a great, you. Have a great Christmas. All right. I'll see you. You too. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, give us the thumbs up and hit that like button. If you didn't enjoy today's podcast, give us the thumbs down and tell us why in the comments down below. Never miss an episode of Futures Radio Show. It's available on all the different places where podcasts are available. This will go to all of the audio podcasts once we're done recording. So look for that later this afternoon. And like I said, never miss a live stream. And just by clicking on that subscribe button here on YouTube, like I said, from the beginning, I hope all of you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving and have a great rest of the trading week. I will see you guys next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions.